Welcome everybody to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 110, recording this on Wednesday the 10th of September 2014. We would have recorded yesterday, but there was a certain a fruity announcement going on, wasn't there, Rafe? There was, and, and let's face it, Apple, I think, knocked it out of the park this year with the uh, new iPhone 6. The thing I would say about it, though, is that the iPhone was a, you know, mainly defensive in response to what their competitors were doing, you know, bigger screens, introducing sort of things in iOS 8 that I think a lot of people would say were on Android. And I've seen various kind of uh, tweets from people going, you know, welcome to 2010, you know, <laughs> to earlier next to us. I don't think that's quite fair, but certainly it wasn't quite the same impact in terms of smartphone innovation. But uh, I think the Apple Pay stuff, even though it's US only, really interesting. And I think Apple has really set new ground, kind of as expected with the Apple Watch. It, it, it does kind of make you suddenly go, hmm, wearables is pretty interesting. I'd love to see some stuff on the Windows phone platform. But part of me also goes, it's all still first generation. The battery life is pretty poor. Yeah. And so it's more kind of a nice toy to play with. I probably wouldn't actually use them seriously in those kind of devices. I would like to have my Pebble work with my Windows phone device because that does do three or four days on a single charge and is a great kind of notification companion screen thing. Uh, we'll talk about that more in the future because, of course, Windows phone with the latest update or at least the developer preview that's out at the moment does have some extra APIs to allow that kind of notification thing. So I think wearables is actually going to be a bit of a story for Windows phone in the second half of the year. We've just recently had Jawbone announce uh, an API for their wearable. And actually, there's going to be a Windows phone app coming for that in the next month so that'll be kind of first of those we already had fitbit announced their app so uh, you know kind of watch that space because there, there's more to come there and it's not just sort of apple and android it's going to be lots of uh, love for the lumiere devices and windows phone generally i think yeah i don't actually have any jawbone kit here do you have a jawbone rafe I don't have a jawbone, but I have been using the uh, Fitbit Flex, which is the one that goes around your wrist, and it works very well with Windows Phone. Um, it, it does everything it, it, it needs to, really. There was a pretty good third-party app, but that actually worked by sort of downloading the API, the data from the website. This one it will actually communicate over Bluetooth LE, and you get the usual stats. You can see and compare with your friends. I know uh, uh, a friend of ours over in New York, Andy Hagen, listens to this, and he's been uh, beating me on his step count recently, so I've got to <laughs> go and run around the block a few more times, it feels like. Uh, but those kind of things... It's actually, there's more differentiation in the kind of smartphone hardware coming there. It, it always used to be, I mean, going back a long time, accessories used to be quite a big deal because they were one of the ways that the phones could be made different. And it was often around headsets and cases and kind of clip on covers. But in some ways, I feel that, you know, wearables and other of those accessories, you know, smart home and, and things like that are kind of a continuation of that trend as we kind of get not getting bored, but there's a sameness about the glass slabs of the, you know, the full touch devices. And it's really talking about different screen sizes and design, but things that can make it a bit different are, are the ideas of wearables. And that's where I think, you know, Android Wear and then obviously the Apple Watch are interesting. I'd love to know what Microsoft is working on in that space simply because I know they'll be doing something and it'd be interesting to see uh, whether there's anything comes out of Nokia or probably looking at that area as well before they were bought by Microsoft. So uh, I definitely think that's kind of worth watching over the you know, remaining part of the year. It'll probably be next year before we see anything. Uh, always difficult to know with that sort of thing. 
It'll probably be, probably be next year by the time we see Lumion Denim for most people in terms of updates, but let's not go there. <laughs> uh, you said it, you're probably spot on, though, Steve. I mean, uh, they say uh, quarter four, but for the uh, existing devices, as always, it'll be a bit later. I'm almost more excited by the uh, Nokia camera app, and I hope that will uh, be available beforehand, uh, although it's probably going to be reliant on uh, Lumion Denim as well. Yeah, of course. Um, there's uh, we have a fifteen twenty. I think you've got a nine thirty, haven't you? So between us, we can we can certainly try out Lumia camera with the the new enhancements at some point in quarter four. Whereas uh, the older devices will get something of a watered down version. But do go and see the stories on the site if you're listening to this for for more details. And we do try and list which models uh, each update will work on. Uh, Rafe, but what you were IFA or IFA twenty fourteen last week? Um, which other Windows phones besides the Lumias did you actually get hands on with? Well, this was interesting because, of course, there's been the reference design that was announced you know, back at MWC this year, and we've been expecting cheap non-Lumia Android uh, Windows phone devices, excuse me, to arrive for a while now. And actually, for the first time, I saw some in person. So I saw the uh, Prestige device, um, two different models, kind of a cheap one that did feel really quite cheap, and then uh, a slightly more expensive device. And when I say cheap and expensive, we're we're sort of talking 80 and 150 pounds. Um, but they're very solid devices in the sense that they're adding a little bit more choice at that lower end of the market. I also had a chance to chat to uh, representatives from Yes, which is the Billy 4.7, and I think it's 5.5. It's, again, two devices, one of which is a cheap one around the 80 pound pot. The more expensive one, which is going to be around 200 euros, maybe 200 pounds, is a bit more interesting because it's actually a pretty solid device. It felt good in the hand. It's sort of Snapdragon 400 base. It's got a decent 720p screen. Uh, so in terms of specifications, it's, it's certainly sitting in the mid-tier of the market. I, I would say it's kind of comparable to something like the 730, which Microsoft announced. What's interesting, it's a very thin device. And so typically, just as with the cheap Android devices, some of the dev- designs stand out for kind of setting new ground for thinness or, or some other element that they choose to include. Uh, it does feel like these are don't have the same thought put into them as the Lumia devices. But if you're talking about the sort of people these are aimed at, they're not necessarily going to be aware of and looking to buy Lumia devices. It's sort of that choice in the low end of the market and in kind of some operator stores, but also mobile phone stores. Yes, for example, kind of has big operations in Europe in places like Portugal, France, Spain, also out in Eastern Europe as well. Um, I, I got a chance to talk to some of the people behind the phone and they actually you know, said the conversation has started this time last year, i.e. back in September, and giving you an idea of how long it uh, takes for these things to kind of come to fruition. And obviously there was then the announcement in uh, March at MWC in Barcelona they said it wasn't quite as straightforward as some of the reference designs suggested and there was still certification to go through. Um, and they talked about a couple of the differentiating points that they had. So, for example, it's, you know, coloured backs, which they'll include in the box. Um, that's actually the Arcos device um, rather than the Yes one. But it's the kind of pattern you get with, with the Yes. You get a whole bunch of accessories included. So you get a screen protector, you get a case, 
And they talked about how that added extra value, and particularly for the people who buy these kind of devices, they said that that could be a, a important distinguishing characteristics. One of the kind of amusing things was these are very clearly ported from Android. In fact, the uh, devices I saw were prototypes, so they still had the Android command keys rather than the Windows <laughs> command keys on them. Um, they're actually going to start arriving in shops very soon. Some of them have kind of already arrived, but in the case of years, we're talking about the next month or so. And it's mainly going to be through phone shop retailers, but also consumer electronics. So they, in the UK, for example, they've done some business with other devices, with uh, Dixon's Group, for example. So we may start to see them on in the high street in the UK a little bit. So watch that space. I'm going to put some photos of these devices up on the site in due course and just share a few more of my thoughts about them. Uh, it's difficult to kind of escape the conclusion that they're a bit cheap and a bit under-designed, you know, it, they're just like the Android devices that sit in this space as well. Yeah, But yeah. you have to have to remember, those Android devices have actually been selling very well because they're good value for money. Absolutely, and most of the sales successes across the entire industry have been in the budget to mid-range territory. And I've just done yeah. some back-of-the-envelope calculations, Rafe, and I reckon that for one iPhone 6 Plus, <laughs> you can get 15 Lumia 530s to give to your friends, to give to your family, to give to your extended family. They can all have smartphones running Windows Phone 8.1, all for the price of one iPhone 6 Plus. Yeah, it, it is amazing how we've got this price variation on smartphones and it used to be that smartphones sat in a relatively small category and they massively expanded you know now almost replaced feature phones altogether in and certainly in the western markets and that that's important to realize that there's actually quite a big difference between a high-end smartphone and a low-end smartphone actually i think it's one of windows phones real strengths that the experience is very similar between the low and the high end compared to some of the other competing platforms of course apple doesn't have a cheap device but you know the difference between a low-end android and a high-end android device i think is much bigger than in windows phone space it does have the yeah. peculiarity of actually in some ways making the high-end windows phone devices feel less like good value for money um, it's going to be particularly the case when something like the 830 comes out which is around the 350 pound mark so a, a saving of between 100 and 150 over the high-end devices and there's really very little that makes me go actually I'd, I'd want that high-end device yes you get a few more megapixels than the camera but it's still a very good camera yes it's not a 1080p screen and yes the process is a bit slower but for a lot of people if you're not a phone geek who's sort of interested in those specs and getting the absolute best that value proposition it's a really hard one to judge yeah, I'm just looking at prices, uh, coincidentally, for the Lumia 1320, which I uh, got back in the office again this week, and I was still quite impressed by it when that came out. That's now down to about £160, £165 on the online markets for a six-inch screen, <laughs> which is just incredible. I know it's not 1080p screen, etc., but Windows Phone runs really, really smoothly on it. So several of the Lumia range, certainly now they've had a few months to, under the hammer, as it were, they've come down to a very, very good value proposition. And so I did see the 530 on sale on pairs. You go in the UK, I know you have to have a £10 top-up. I think it was £39.99, so under £40 for a, yeah. a smartphone running Windows Phone 8.1 with all the here maps, with all the Office Mobile, with a, with mixed radio, with all the, the usual Microsoft stuff all built in. It's just incredible. Yeah, and a similar path to that, actually, one more thing from IFA was the kind of introduction of cheap Windows tablets, and it was from the likes of uh, Toshiba, Asus, 
and these came in about 120 US dollars. So we're talking around the 100 pound price point for basically a, an eight or seven inch tablet running the full version of Windows. Now, yes, the performance when you're under full Windows with you know powerful applications is going to be a bit of a dog. And yes, the screen wasn't very good quality, but basically a full Windows computer in an eight inch tablet form factor for 100 pounds really quite amazing and it starts to get interesting of course when you combine that with where windows phone is going and certainly the next version we expect to see a much kind of closer parity again between windows phone and windows and it it, it it definitely does feel like it's a much more competitive against android with both the tablets and the phones there yeah. you know, there's still ground to make up don't get me wrong i'm not advocating everyone goes out and buys one of these cheap windows tablets but it feels like microsoft is making the right moves here and uh, you know actually picking up a windows tablet for a uh, hundred pounds that you know, can just leave around the house actually might be an interesting idea yeah, yeah. Talking of interesting ideas, um, an interesting idea back in 1997, believe it or not, was um, the creation of Symbian. Now, don't switch off Windows Phone owners. This <laughs> concerns you as well. Um, I did put a plug on on, this, on both sites, uh, all about Symbian and all about Windows Phone, for a, a new book by David Wood, who was the guy who effectively invented the smartphone or certainly helped invent it back at the end of the 1990s. And he's written a book called Smartphones and Beyond. And it takes you from the creation of the first of Symbian operating system, multitasking, uh, taking it through all the different Symbian form factors and reference designs right through to February 11, 2011, and the decisions about Nokia to switch to Windows Phone. He then writes a couple of chapters about what he thinks of that, how it affected uh, him, how it affected Symbian, how it affected Nokia, how it affected the industry, and also um, sort of rounds up lessons learned, whether you're in the industry or just a, a, an interested follower, lessons learned for all parties on what to, what to do right and what to do wrong. And the single underlying verdict that I take away from, from having a skim through it is that uh, creating a smartphone operating system is always harder than you think. And as, as several co companies have found their chagrin over the years, Rafe. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I would hope that it doesn't come as a surprise to too many people. Uh, I think what people sometimes misunderstand is there is a big technical challenge and it's something that Symbian solved pretty effectively, especially when you consider it in the context of when it was created. But the, the politics that goes alongside it, especially when you're talking about business partnerships, when a, a certain amount of openness is needed, the ability to share roadmaps, talk about shared goals and objectives is much harder to pull off. And when people look back at the history of Symbian, I think this is reflected in uh, David's book, actually the biggest challenges were trying to get different companies to work together with different stakeholders. And yeah. that, that was evident even at the time as we lived through it, um, watching what Samsung was trying to do when it was licensing Series 60, the kerfuffle with uh, Sign and Motorola over Odin, uh, then Motorola again over uh, UIQ. Actually, Motorola doesn't really come out of the Symbian story looking too good, if we're completely honest. Um, <laughs> and nor does Nokia, because it did a lot of things, yeah. which I, I think ultimately were too much in its own interest and in not thinking about the benefits of being open and trying to take something that could become an industry standard, which is somewhat surprising from a company that was you know, such a driver behind the GSM standard. So it wasn't that Nokia didn't understand the, the benefits of that kind of thing. I just think it didn't have the, the leadership or the kind of the corporate governance in place to do something on a much bigger scale of a much bigger, maybe technical and, uh, you know, business political challenge. I mean, it's well worth reading this book. It's you know a really fascinating read. Anyone who's interested in the Symbian history will find it a great read. But I think it's also got a lot of lessons 
even for people creating uh, wearables or smartphones or consumer electronics today and becomes almost more relevant because if you look at where the smartphone industry is going and maybe uh, consumer electronics and the internet and digital more generally, the, the, the trend is for more integration, more working together. And Symbian, in some many senses, was an early pioneer for that kind of pattern of business. Uh, so well worth a read. I mean, David Wood has been um, very kind to us at the All About Sites over the years, giving very generously of his time for various interviews and offering insight and what what most people don't realize is he was there through the sand days and he was one of the very few of the kind of executive team of symbian who was there from the early days right to to late on and then went off to accenture when that was uh was spun out so uh, there's not very many people who can tell you the full story know where all the uh skeletons are buried but david is is one of those people now it's probably fair to say that the story is written from his own perspective and his own opinions and subjectivity you know inevitably have an impact uh, but if you you know you take this story with that pinch of salt or that consideration you'll learn a lot about symbian and, and learn a lot about kind of the behind the scenes things and just how much goes on that never works out um, one of the interesting things is the, sort of the, the failures that you, you never hear about all the projects that didn't quite make it and there's also a great section on alternative histories which kind of talk about the the what might have beens which is always yeah, a, a, yeah. a fascinating topic so thoroughly recommend it and you can get it from the the website go and get it from amazon and it's um, a worthy read for any smartphone fan yeah and we put the links in the story on on all about windowsfan.com and all about symbian if you're over there um is it's in kindle format only electronic format he, he did chat to me about uh where people had asked him for a paper copy but first of all it's 800 pages <laughs> And B, I think it, by the time he'd had it um, professionally edited and all the other things you have to do before you absolutely make sure that every single dot, every single cross T is right in a paper book. By the time all that happened, we'd all have grown, grown old and died. He wanted oh. to get it out to the public, so he just went with the Kindle route. And to be fair, you can get a Kindle reader for almost every platform platform including windows phone but ironically rafe not including symbian <laughs> yeah yeah no that, that's absolutely right and it won't even work through the web web browser version either because the browser's not quite up to it um i, I think it's probably david won't get upset when i say it, it's probably not um the bed bedtime reading for everybody this is a book that probably has a pretty niche audience so i think that's another reason for going this this kindle route the people who want to read this will probably have a a kindle device or certainly yeah. have access to a, a kindle capable um device but it but it is thoroughly recommended it's it's a really good read and i should probably write a review and stick it on amazon so other people can be encouraged to read it yeah. but in the meantime this podcast review will just have to do yeah. Also, just at a point of interest, people who also listen to my phone show chat podcast, we're having David Wood as a guest on in October. So listen out for that and you get to uh, hear me chat to the man himself and probably genuflect at the, uh, <laughs> at the, at the altar of, uh, of smartphones. But there we go. Um, uh, one news story, Rafe, wanted your comments on. Um, the Bing applications from Microsoft are apparently going to rebrand. Microsoft, in fact, is rebranding all of its um, content side of things to go under the MSN banner rather than Bing. So MSN, which I gather originally stood for Microsoft Network, uh, I guess it still does, will become much more to the foreground. Yeah, it's interesting this. I mean, I think originally the Bing brand was used because of not the damage exactly, but sort of MSN seemed to stand for a, an old-fashioned portal approach, you know, kind of the one that was pioneered by Yahoo and MSN was a competitor for that. You know, it's still a very highly visited uh, website, mainly because it's the default 
uh, start page in Internet Explorer on many devices. So it's kind of interesting to see this come full circle in the sense that we did have Bing Weather and the Bing word was actually dropped, but the Bing branding was still there. Kind of got mixed feelings about this because I kind of like the, the, the Bing brand. It's a, a grown on me over the years. Like everyone else, I kind of laughed when it was uh, first announced. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter because it's um, good news and weather applications that work well on Windows Phone and are, are completely free to use and have the added benefit of working across platform. And so, you know, I have the Bing News app. I guess it will now be the MSN News app installed on my phone. And I have the kind of the headlines and the feeds specialized to what I want to see. And that's also translated onto a Windows 8 device and onto a tablet. And of course, on my other Windows phone devices. And all I have to do is sign into my Microsoft account, which will now happen actually automatically in most cases. Uh, the weather application is similar. It's, you know, set up with my favorite location. It's not something I have to set up. And actually one of the nice things that's coming along in, uh, Lumia Denim is that you're going to get that weather information if you want it on the glance screen and so you'll be able to see kind of weather instantly something that was on the Symbian devices I'm really glad to see that weather is making it onto the glance screen because it's one of those things you probably do want to be able to keep an eye on so no uh, sensible updates but uh yeah the the branding seems to be a bit of a merry-go-round for for microsoft with regard to its internet properties doesn't always seem to know quite what to do with them you know they're big but they certainly don't measure up to to google or facebook or something like that i mean i think i'm right in saying they're in the top 20 in terms of uh, sites visited in the u.s but they're sort of around number 13 or maybe it's 14 compared to you know some of the competing sites which are in the top five but uh interesting to see it picked up and i guess the uh, rebrand will start applying to the phones or other the f- apps in the kind of next set of updates yeah although I, as i noticed in a previous news story i say most of the actual applications now don't have being or msm for them they are simply Indeed. news and weather and finance and so on um i did write a story rafe um to, kind of ranting a bit um skype i've had all sorts of problems with on the older windows phones when i say older 2012 2013 things like the 920 the 925 and the 1020 um compared to the newer chipsets now I cannot understand. It's got to be some technical reason at the chip level. I'm hoping your advanced brain can leap in in a moment. But uh, if you then, if you kind of go back using the multitasking carousel to Skype running on one of the uh, newer devices, say the 630 or the or the 1520, um, it effectively resumes almost instantly. It just comes up on screen. There you are. Bang, you're in. Um, if you try and do that on one of the older devices with the, the Snapdragon S4 chipsets, it kind of comes up immediately and then goes... The screen goes black and you get resuming dot, dot, dot for seconds at a time, multiple seconds at a time, and then it comes back. Is, is there a technical reason why the newer chipsets, I mean, yes, they're slightly faster, but they're not that much faster. Is there a reason, do you think the, this, some of these applications are simply being coded and optimized to work better with the newer chipsets? And that's what's going on here? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I can't reveal anything startling here, but uh, you're quite right to identify that the, the different hardware has different chipsets and it's probably better to refer to them as different hardware families and so you know the newer devices with the uh you know i guess you call them with the 30 ending versus the 20 endings and, you know it is generally the s4 generation versus the kind of the next generation where they got renamed to snapdragon 400 and 800 yeah. etc um we don't always realize it with uh, smartphones is there is actually a lot of software optimization that goes on on a per chipset basis that's often yeah. invisible to us because you know there is no visual difference um, but actually this is probably one of the examples where there is a difference 
quite what it is is probably uh, hard to say. It wouldn't surprise me that it's even at the app level because Skype is obviously one of Microsoft's core experiences and it's something they talked about quite a bit when they launched Windows Phone 8.1, the way that it's integrated into the calling screen and you can switch over to video. So my suspicion would be that they've optimized it for the newer set of hardware, but either weren't able to or, you know, didn't make the effort to optimize it for the kind of the older set of hardware. Hence, you see this performance difference, which is actually quite a big deal. If you're using Skype regularly, you know, it's, it's not crusty exactly, but it's slow performance on the older devices and Skype's not exactly had the best history on Windows Phone uh, you know back on Windows uh, uh, 7.5 we had the problems and the whole notification issue about missing calls and incoming chat messages was there as well it's only really on the most recent set of devices that it's got to the point where it's uh, stable enough to call in from Berlin and do a, a podcast and <laughs> it's something of a source of frustration that they can't make it work quite like that on Still, of course, most of the devices of that older generation, the 1020, 920, 925, the 820, the 720, 620, and the 520. And, and it's not even, you know, it's not even a high and low end thing, because if you look at it on the 630 and the 530, you know, you're getting the good performance. And, and those devices, obviously, yeah. uh, maybe they're equivalent to uh, something like the 920, but they're certainly not better than the 920. And actually, I don't think there's a you know a big performance penalty. It may be on the, something like the 520. You could pick that out as a reason. So I don't have any wondrous technical insight. But uh, like you, I've been frustrated. And I think that was probably reflected in the audience as well. It's, you know, we had 67 comments with uh, people getting annoyed by it. So, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, and we don't actually have the tools in terms of uh, apps to kind of look at what's happening in the internals. And you can't you know, root or unlock the phones like you can on Android and apply all sorts of interesting tools to look at it. I suspect um, developers who have the source code could probably tell us a little bit more, but uh, I don't expect to hear from Microsoft anytime soon on this particular topic. It might yeah, get silently fixed in the background, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I noticed there was a brand new version of Skype today as we record this, but I did check performance after applying the update and it's still exactly the same. Um, I suspect it may even be possible that um, Skype doesn't actually get really well optimized or fixed up for the older S4 process devices. Uh, obviously, Microsoft have got their eye on the future, eye on new devices, new platform updates. And they and obviously, people are developing an operating system. They're usually six months to nine months ahead of where consumers are. And people like us are actually playing with stuff and experimenting. So, they, you know, they're always one, one step ahead of the ball. So that, That's right. I mean, yeah. Microsoft actually has several development teams one of which will be working on maintenance of the current platform and one of which will be kind of working on the next platform. And there's actually a handover process internally where it switches from one team to the other. And honestly, I think and I think most users would agree, given that it does actually work, it's not like it's a, a, a show-stopping bug in that it doesn't work at yeah. all. You'd rather they put the effort and the investment into adding new features on top of the kind of the, the the current hardware and indeed the next generation of hardware, rather than going back and, and looking at something like this. But what is important, and it, it, you made a similar point when we're talking comparing um, performance on other devices and with 8.1, that uh, you actually get a very different experience of Windows Phone 8.1 and Skype when you try it on the 930 than you do when you try it on the 920, and you wouldn't expect there to be that big a difference. And we praise Windows Phone a lot of the time for actually getting it right as between the low and the high end. This is actually one of those instances where the praise isn't really deserved because there is a difference and it doesn't seem terribly explicable. 
but yeah, I think it's it's typical of smartphones where you know it's not necessarily like a PC where you just kind of expect everything to run. There is actually a bigger integration challenge and optimization they do it, and it's because smartphones, despite the increase in you know speed and performance, they are still constrained and there are still big power management issues and all that kind of thing. It might be something as simple as the fact that the uh, chipset needs to wake up to do something and it's switched off in the background for power consumption reasons where they fix that on the more recent hardware and it's able to wake up that bit quicker and do that resuming thing. Uh, but I don't actually have a, a definite answer for it. <laughs> Quite a long reply for something you don't have a definite answer for. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm waffling too much. Apologies to the listeners. It's been a, been a long couple of days. Yeah, um, we did. We did promise we'd chat about a particular discussion. In fact, two discussion points. We'll see if we can get the first one done in this podcast. Rafe, I did a head to head about two weeks ago now between the Lumia nine thirty and the HTC One M eight for Windows, um, and it was fully controversial. Thirty six comments. Um, my, I have to say, I would like your opinion as to which of the two you'd pick. I came down very slightly on the side of the Lumia 930, obviously, because I think it's got a, a better camera and it's got the Qi wireless charging. Having said that, the HTC One M8 for Windows comes out with the better speakers. It's got the micro SD expansion. It's got the faster camera, certainly, in terms of shot-to-shot time. Both have pretty good build quality, vastly different colour schemes, of course, as you can test from your 930. Uh, so uh, g- given the big table and the big article on the site, Rafe, and given your own personal preferences as to what you want from a smartphone, which of those two would you take, the Lumia 930 or the One, 8, one M8 for Windows? Well, actually, I'd like the Lumia 830, but I guess I can't say that. <laughs> um, yeah, one of those ones where a certain amount of it is going to come down to brand preference and design preference. I think they're both really nice designs. Um, at first, the 930 left me a bit horrified with the bright orange that sort of you can blind people with, but it's really grown on me. But there is something very sleek and very nice about the all-metal casing of the M8. It really is a, a lovely piece of design. I think HTC have been evolving that over the last couple of years, and they've been improving their design. Gone are the days where they were kind of plastic monstrosities that squeaked when you squeeze them. This is a really top-class device. I mean, uh, you know, things like this, the 930 and the iPhone, and maybe something like the Sony Z3 would be my pick of the very best in terms of smartphone design. So there's perhaps not much to judge there, but I think ultimately for most people, the decision will come down if, if they, if indeed they have the choice between the two, which at the moment you don't really, because it's only available on Verizon. It is coming to some of the other US operators in due course, and we expect it to launch elsewhere in the world as well, maybe in a few months time. If you did do have that actual choice, it's probably going to come down to which design you prefer because a lot of the other things are very even, you know, in terms of the size, you know, it's nine millimeters thin versus 10 millimeter thin for the 930. The camera is going to be a big debating point. I would imagine that you prefer the 930. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd rather have the higher quality photographs any day rather than, and, and one second shot shot time rather than have lower quality four megapixel uh, d- images shot at three times a second. Yeah, yeah. And up until a week ago, I would have disagreed with you and said I'd rather have the faster performance of the M8. Um, it's got what's referred to as ultra pixel. It's a four megapixel camera, really fantastic performance in terms of both uh, camera startup and shot to shot time. 
However, I now know that the 930 is going to get an update in that performance. That's one of the things that Microsoft showed off at yeah. its IFA event. And it really is a big difference. I saw it, you know, kind of side by side. And it's, it's literally, you know, if you press the button as you're pulling it out of your pocket, you'll take the picture before you get it up into the upright position. Uh, and similarly, the shot to shot time is, uh, it looked like a, you know, a couple of captures per second. So real improvement there for the Lumia 930. There's still something to be said for the, for the M8 in terms of, uh, I like that they've done a different approach, but probably, I guess when it comes down to it, the 930 just, uh, it's a difficult one, really is. I mean, because I do like the camera on the, the Android version I have, and I'm hoping to get hold of a Windows phone version in due course. Sound definitely better on the HTC device. Um, we haven't tested it on Windows phone, but boom sound is there. And that's stereo speaker. It's maybe a minor use case, but Steve, you listen to a lot of podcasts. Would you have a, a preference there for the kind of speakers? Yes, I, I would take the HTC One and M8 and M7 speakers over anything else in the smartphone world at the moment. But having said that, uh, I've I also got I listen to podcasts on the Lumia 1020, the, the 920 before that. I've got a Samsung Galaxy S4 here, and the speaker is perfectly fine on all of those. If you're just listening to the spoken voice, it doesn't actually make that much difference as long as it's loud enough, which it is on all of those devices. Where you'll really notice the One M8 Windows for Windows um, in terms of sound quality over speakers is if you are listening to music. So, for example, if you've got mixed radio just playing in the background while you're doing chores, then it, it almost sounds like a professional little speaker, so on, on quietly, but a professional speaker with high fidelity with the HTC One, whereas the, the, the Lumia speakers, they're loud, they're good quality, but you know they're a phone speaker producing music. Yeah, I'd also pick out the watching video use cases. So if you do any amount of that on your phone, um, the HTC device is definitely superior for that. Obviously, it's going to depend whether your video has stereo sound encoded. Yeah. Some of them don't particularly want captured by, by devices. But it's something of an irony that the Lumia devices are able to capture kind of surround sound stereo and really high quality audio, which aren't really able to do it justice when they're playing it back on the, the device itself. I've always thought that's something of a shame and kind of a, a missing thing for the for the Lumia devices. The other thing I'd pick out is uh, thinking about something like glance screen. Obviously, it's not on the 930, um, and HTC don't have that, but they do kind of have their own version with the flip view case, which is uh, a case that sort of has got dots in it, but you can see the screen through it, and it lets you answer calls. It sort of brings up notifications. You can even access uh, Cortana through it as well. And actually, I think that's it's a nice little extra to have, and it means that the phone is kind of usable when it's just sitting flat on the desk. You can kind of have a quick glance over at it, and so the the M8 wins in in that department. Of course, you then look at another area like Qi charging, and I, I think it's fair to say the 930 has the advantage there, Steve. Uh, absolutely. Um, I wonder if HTC could possibly do a some sort of wireless charging case. I doubt it because I hope they haven't got any contacts on the back. They'd have to do one of these clutch arrangements where they have the wraparound shell that plugs into the, by the micro USB port, and they're horrible. So, Qi uh, wireless charging um, is is absolutely the future. If you if you've been knocking it, then you obviously haven't used it. Anyone who's used it in a serious fashion, I've got one of the Nokia's wireless charging plates on my desk, and almost every smartphone I I, I use as a main main phone, almost every phone either on in its integrally or with a clip-on shell just just gets plonked down on that wireless charging pad every time I pick the phone up it's at 100% and you just never get, think to do that with a, by plugging it in you never plug your phone in every single time you get back to your desk or to your bedstand. stand whereas uh, 
here wireless charging every phone at 100 percent every time i pick it up and it really is the future uh, and it really is a big deal and even though the m8 has a, a big capacity battery it's 2600 milliamp hours versus 2420 for the 930 actually that g charging makes a difference i'm far more likely to have a full charge on that device I mean, obviously it's difficult for HTC because it is an all metal device and gee, that obviously uh, has an impact on G charging but you know it, it's actually an important consideration for me when choosing you know which phone to buy um, one thing that was announced at, at the Lumia more Lumia event last week was the next generation of the wireless charger and uh, it's not often that you get really excited about a charging accessory but talk about hitting it out the park it's you know, similar in size to the current um you know long flat charger it's but the difference is it's got a couple of extra features that are really nice there's nfc built into it so you can actually have actions happen when you put it on the device but the real highlight is it's got a kind of a ring of leds underneath it that light up Ooh! so it used to go oh you put it on it and it sort of just glows <laughs> beautifully and you know they're color coded as 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 you'd expect from the lumia range but what's really clever about it is that it will glow in a different way depending on a notification so you'll get a notification about an incoming call about a new text message i don't know about you but quite often i miss incoming calls and text messages when my phone's sitting on my desk because i haven't maybe got it in vibrate mode or i've just gone away so now i can come back and see at a glance when it's sitting on its charger you know if there's a notification or something like that but i think my favorite feature is it will actually communicate using bluetooth le which is also built into this charging plate when your phone battery is getting low and so when it drops below 30 percent the charging plate will gently pulse at you to remind you to put your phone on the plate and charge it up so some really clever wow, thinking clever. clever bit of design yeah. really like that kind of joined up thinking and so my uh, current charging plate is looking a bit forlorn compared to what i saw in berlin last week it's definitely one of those ones i'm going to go out and buy as soon as it becomes available uh, it, it's relatively expensive. It's going to be around £50 and it should be coming out in the next month or so. Uh, and you can go and buy a Qi charger on uh, Amazon for sort of around £15-20. But uh, it's one of those ones where happy to pay the premium for it. So watch out for that accessory. Um, and yeah, that yeah. would kind of, uh, I guess, put the 930 over the top with the M8. I I'm still looking forward to trying the M8. And I think it's great that HTC are doing stuff in Windows Phone. And I think you got it spot on in your conclusion, Steve, which was... <laughs> I said, at the risk of preaching to the choir, the winner here is the platform itself. Absolutely. Windows Phone 8.1 itself. So, yeah. yeah. Um, we, we do like to plug our own articles on this podcast. <laughs> I did write a piece looking at uh, the Lumia Denim and uh, the future of the 1020 and things that will and won't be coming to the 1020. And also just a kind of a bit of background information, which we, we glean from some of Microsoft stroke Nokia's experts. And I just wanted to point out one last thing before we finish the podcast, Rafe, that, uh, that you mentioned the Lumia 930 with the new Lumia camera application will be um, the shot to shot time will come down to about just about a third of a second or so and the reason they can do that and still keep the oversampling is because they they very cleverly um but this being a multi-threaded, multitasking smartphone OS, of course, they, they put all the oversampling processing into the background. So basically it takes the shot quickly and lets the, the processor sort of choke through the, the pixel information while you're getting on with the next shot or the rest of your life. So I imagine there might be a possibility for a bit of a backlog building up and you, you know, try and get to a shot and you don't see uh, maximum quality straight away. But I'm assuming they're going to code that fairly smoothly. And that's, that's quite a clever move. 
It is. It's an incredibly clever idea. And you, know, you sort of go, why didn't that happen before? Well, partly because they didn't really have the resources to enable to, to do something like that. And partly, I imagine it's underlying software improvements. But uh, yeah, I'm sure if you did five or six shots all after one another, there might be a backlog that then starts to slow things down. But of course, typically in this situation, you're looking to capture maybe three or four shots over the course of a couple of seconds. Uh, yeah. and, and before you were kind of going, come on, come on, take the next one. And it wasn't quite <laughs> doing it in the time frame yeah. that you wanted. Now, you know, you're going to have to be very quick to actually think, oh, that's not taking it as quick as I want it to. Because, I mean, when I was, was shown, it was basically multiple taps on the on the camera capture button, the on-screen one, and, and you know, difficult to keep up with. Um, that kind of thinking is sort of pervading the Lumia camera application now. And actually it applies to uh, something we talked about last week, which was rich capture, the idea that it will basically capture several photos when you take a photo. And for example, it'll be one without flash and one with flash or at different exposure levels. And which mode it chooses actually is intelligently chosen depending on kind of what the conditions are. But what all of that means is you kind of have to think less about getting exactly the right capture or taking exactly the right settings because you'll be able to edit it afterwards. And you know, burst mode or capturing multiple photos one after the other, it's that same kind of use case as, you know, you, you want to capture a particular event taking several one after another means you'll get it. So I think that kind of thinking about how camera capture works is a really important one. And yeah. it's, it's not something that's, you explain the technical details and people go, oh yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's not until you use it in the real world and start to go, actually, this is making it easier for me to capture the photos I want to without thinking about it that stands out. And for me, when the high end camera phones are getting to the point where it's really difficult to choose between them, you can do tests and say, yeah, that one's the best. But honestly, though, that it is getting to the point where they're all good enough. So the actual <laughs> features in the software are important. And, you know, each manufacturer has chosen to go a slightly different route. I really can only say I like what Microsoft has chosen to do. And it's actually the imaging teams over in London, Tampere, in Sweden and Finland, respectively, have clearly sat down and thought very carefully about it. Some camera purists are going to go, I really don't like it. They're not giving me the control. I prefer, you know, what HTC is doing. I prefer what Sony is doing. I prefer what Apple is doing. But actually, with the uh, Lumia camera application, you can still do all those settings manually. But what's nice about it is by default in the fully automatic mode, that's the don't make me think mode. So yeah. comes up that, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what you think, Steve, but that's why I'm really looking forward to trying the Lumia camera app. I mean, for me, for, for me personally, that was kind of the thing. I thought that's a bit of software I most want to try on my uh, device next. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for the reasons stated in the article, we'll put all links to all these articles we've been talking about in the show notes. For those reasons, I'm going to probably have to reluctantly abandon abandon the 1020 and Xenon Flash in favour of the 1520, simply because the 1520 will get the, the optimised apps, will get Lumia Camera, get all these enhancements, and I'll be able to try all these out in the real world. Having said that, the 1520 is a pretty cracking device. It also means I'll have to find a larger pocket to put it in, but that's a story for another day. Um, Rafe, by the way, in the next week's podcast, you're back from saying the the, the, the phrase the, the, the Lumia camera will, won't mean you have to think very hard or, or words to, to rearrange to that effect. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Steve. Uh, I guess I, I should be uh, more careful of what I'm saying. So I shouldn't say things like the 1520 is going to suit Steve down to the ground because now he's getting on in years, <laughs> but his eyesight's going, so the big screen's going to be great for him. So I won't be saying things like that either. But oh, that's... one question I do want to <laughs> ask you, Steve, is uh, 
would you like to see an updated 1020? Let's call it the 1030. And if so, how likely is it to arrive? Well, I've been on record in the articles as saying I don't think it's going to arrive. Um, there was a famous quote from last week. Um, someone nabbed Joe Harlow, I think it was, in, in, the, in the halls at IFA, and said, you know, what's happening about a 1020 10, successor? And she said, oh, no, we're still working. And she mentioned on progress on imaging, and she mentioned uh, digital um, computational photography. And, and I have to say, that sounds more like doing clever things in software, as you've been saying, with the current chipsets, rather than developing other new monster camera. I still think the 808, um, it's running Symbian, the 1020 running Windows Phone, they each are clearly flawed devices in terms of they're both being at the tail end of their appropriate hardware families. So they both end up actually fairly slow and clunky as a general smartphone, but still, you know, and a league of their own in terms of general photography. But they are, they're outliers. They're, they're quirky devices. They're classic. They're things to own and hold on to, but they really aren't for the mass market. And I, I can't, if I'm honest, see Microsoft coming in and doing a 1030, certainly not this year, and I'd be very surprised if, if one had arrived at all ever, and I'm sorry if that makes people sad, but the, to be honest, devices, as I posted in the editorial just today, um, phone photography plateau, I think I entitled it, as Rafe just said, that these phone cameras are getting so good that they do cover about 90% of all use cases, so you might argue, you know, why you develop another new monster flagship just to cope for the extra, extra 2%. You just want to have the uh, 950 or whatever it is with a Xenon flash, right, Steve? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's hard to, you know, write a business case for why you should do a you know, purely camera-centric device when you've got so many efforts to spread out elsewhere. You know, it, how many people are going to buy a camera-centric device, as you say, with the, that plateau happening? The one thing I would say, though, is I think the 1020 was a great halo device for Windows Phone and really established or continued the pattern of uh, Nokia and Lumia and obviously now Windows Phone having a reputation for imaging excellence. So I do wonder whether you could justify a 1030 on that basis. I think in, in pure business and sales terms, you're right, it would be another outlier device it wouldn't sell particularly well but you know sometimes perception and marketing comes into it and honestly there's been contrasting rumors about whether a 1030 exists or not it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's something in the labs or something's being sort of developed to the prototype stage but at that same time that sort of technology that would go into the 1030 is something i would expect to see in the bit the 935 or the 940 or the 950 at some point you know uh, and the compromises you get from having really big camera modules are feeling more significant now than they did a few years ago um, when that that difference, that differential between a really good standalone high-end camera phone versus kind of the, the high-end standard camera phone is is pretty small. So sadly, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. It would surprise me if it, it seems like that. But uh, Microsoft, feel free to go ahead and make both Steve and I look like fools next week. <laughs> and this has been something of a bumper podcast Rafe in terms of length does, does that mean I get next week off um, I think we'll probably be able to find more to talk about because I'm pretty <laughs> sure we promised uh, two weeks ago to talk about um, uh, an article that you uh, called Tough Questions which is all around the kind of the history of ah, yes. Symbian Mega Windows Phone so while I think the news will be a, a little low next week there's going to be a great discussion item to go through so if I can persuade you to come back next week if not it'll have to be in a fortnight's time now, I'm sure we'll, we'll make that happen. And as I say, though, that tough questions article, as I was writing the questions and writing my own answers, I thought, I think Rafe might have a few things to say about this. Oh, so, yes. Oh, so yes. So next week, I think you can leap in. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, 
presenting my own point of view. It's one of the areas where I think Steve and I have had vigorous discussions over the year. Very friendly, of course, but maybe a, a preview for next week's podcast. Vigorous is, is kind of a, another word for disagreeing there, but um, yeah, <laughs> let's leave that for next week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. A goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me.